Resiliency is really about making sure that we're able to go forward. They talk about resiliency as bouncing back. I don't want to bounce back. I don't want to bounce back to where we were before. I want to bounce forward. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats. From severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where we discuss insights and ideas for how to protect your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by Michelle Turner. Michelle is the head of global business resiliency at Amazon and the author of Lessons Learned Short Stories of Continuity and Resilience. Michelle, thanks so much for being here. How are you? I'm just dandy. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you bet. Well, our focus today is business resiliency and how practitioners in the field can achieve success. But before we begin, can you tell us just a little bit about your career background and your current role? Of course. So I have been in this wonderful area of business continuity, governance, risk management for close to 30 years. Mm. I started initially at Household International in Illinois, and I was a business recovery coordinator there. I was actually a background investigator, and then there was an opportunity to sit in for someone who was going on maternity leave. And they said, you know, Michelle, don't worry about it. Just all you have to do is have the channeling in of different pages, pink for vendors, yellow for teams. Just make sure you get those pages updated in the plans. And I said, that's fine. Not a problem. And they said, you don't even have to worry about it. Don't read through it. Not a problem. Well, I'm nosy. And so I read it and I made recommendations for change. And when that person did not come back, they said, well, you like it so much, go ahead and you do it for the rest of the time. So that was business recovery back then. Then we added disaster recovery onto it to get the system side of the house. I became a consultant and and with that, not a lot of people wanted to have people come in to do business recovery planning. And so I really had to drill down and understand optimization of systems. And that went from AS400s to mainframes to networks and all of that good stuff. And once they saw that I understood that, I could sneak on in and say, by the way, have you documented certain things to make sure that you could recover when you needed to recover and contact the right people? And through that, I then moved on to areas or organizations such as Microsoft and, and others building operational risk and then here I am at Amazon, leading head of global business resiliency, which is encompasses crisis management, business continuity, and workplace resiliency. So still having a good time in this, in this industry, in this field. That's great. You're really taking me down memory lane there. Every time someone says AS400, it's like, wow, yes. you've seen it all. <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> wow, that's great. Well, what inspired you to write your book and what were you hoping to accomplish with it? You know... From a lessons learned perspective, there were times in my life that I went through certain things that I said, you know, wow, if there was somebody that I could just connect with, check in with, because I wonder, if, am I the only one going through this? Right. And during COVID, and we're still in COVID, but during COVID, I found that there were a couple of other situations where dealing with a loved one who has dementia, where there are certain things that I learned that I really wanted to make sure that other people going in that situation were able to, to gain those knowledge nuggets as well. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to sit down and 
continue to write some things. I had started, I think I'd had two chapters for about 10 years and I decided <laughs> it's time. It's time for me to document these things. And I thought the best way to do so would be to have it relate not only to people in my business area, but also anyone. And so the best way for me to do that was to use the methodology that I created, which was PARSE, Prepare, Assess, Remediate, Sustain, and Examine. So sharing both personal as well as corporate lessons learned. How did the two tie together to demonstrate overall themes of continuity and resilience? That's an interesting take. Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, I thought, well, shoot, if you're helping organizations for darn near 30 years address risk and mitigate risk, don't you think you could do it for yourself as well? Hmm. And so I thought, well, why not leverage the same type of methodology? There's areas where we have to prepare in life, really making sure that we understand what's current state. What are we really looking at here? What are we starting out with? You need to assess where you are, assess what the next steps will be. Hey, here are some risks. Do you want to mitigate them? Do you want to accept them? What do you want to do? And then when it comes to remediate, okay, now that you know what you know, what strategies do you want to put in place? How do you really want to manage this? And then from a sustained perspective, now that you have all this knowledge, it's a beautiful thing, but does it actually blessed work? So what types of things are you putting in place to make sure that you can really sustain the lessons that you believe that you've learned? You've got to be able to apply some things to these types of insights or else the lesson won't be learned. And then the E, because you can't spell parse without an E, is examine. <laughs> How do you make sure that you embed that into the culture of what you do, the culture of the organization? i always say that business continuity and resiliency, it's not just a project. It's a program. Mm. It's a gift that keeps on giving. And so how do we make sure that those gifts that we've received throughout our life, throughout our career, that we're able to embed those and just continue to enhance? I like this idea too of tying the personal and the professional together, because with anything else in life, you can really separate them. But if a disaster strikes and you can't get your stuff together at home, you're not going to be very useful at work. That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. And I ran into that situation where I had a health scare. I was doing so much and running so much and not taking breaks that I unfortunately was feeling pretty run down. And it got to the point where, oh, pulmonary embolism, blood clots oh, in the lungs, wow. huh? So, but I refused, I just couldn't stop, didn't want to stop. And it got to a point where once I went to the hospital and the doctor said, you know, we, we're going to need to make sure that we give you morphine or some other things. And I said, no, no, I've got a meeting tomorrow morning with the sea level. I can't possibly just give me a pill. And he got pretty, pretty direct and said, you know, I don't know why you're still alive. You wow. probably should be dead. But since you are, do you mind if I finish saving your life? Wow. And and when I finished being huffy, just thinking, well, I'm going to write a letter to somebody. <laughs> then I figured, you know what? Maybe I should just listen and start to slow down in order to speed up. So yes, yeah. both tie together. Work-life harmony, I like to call it, versus work-life balance. That's great. That's a great term. Well, what processes do you and really the teams you manage use to achieve business resilience? And do those processes provide any context for your book? So the processes that I've, that I've seen that work really well over, over my 30 years are, number one, listen. <laughs> uh, listen intently, because at times when we're subject matter experts, we feel like, well, we just want to share this information, make sure this data gets out. 
However, we need to listen to exactly what the challenges, the threats, the, the vulnerabilities that are inherent with this team, and then we can make sure that we customize as appropriate. And so that's more of a skill set, but it can be included in, in the process that you roll out. Once we listen and we've done our homework to understand the types of challenges that they have, then we really need to make sure that we streamline as per the culture of the organization or of the team. Because I can have wonderful suggestions on how we need to do A, B, and C, but if it doesn't fit the culture, then it's not going to move anywhere. Mm. And making sure that we really have that top of the house sponsorship, not just support, but sponsorship, actively engaged and actively talking about the benefits around these areas, making sure that we set a process to engage those teams, really make sure that we are checking in, that we're not doing the work for them necessarily, because it's it's the organization that they have to continue to drive resiliency in and, and develop plans for, but really provide that consultative support to make sure that they have what they need to be able to, to grow those pieces. And then just underscore that, hey, we've got to do some exercising here because it's one thing to have, as I mentioned, all of this great information, but does it work? Do we know that this is functional? Do we have the right permissions? Do we have what we need to really make sure that we're able to recover the way that we need to recover? So those are just sort of high level steps, some processes, some just characteristics or engagements that I would have throughout the piece. So hopefully that's responsive to your question. No, absolutely. And there was something else that you mentioned in the book. You introduced this framework of the three C's, clarity, communication, and cost. Can you explain that concept for us too? Of course. So when we talk about preparing, we need to make sure that number one, we have clarity as to why we're doing this in the first place. Is it because of audit items that have come up? Is it because this is just the buzzword of the day, which hopefully that's, there's a little bit more substantive information there, Yeah. but really getting clarity on why we need to do this and, and what's necessary. Have we had situations in the past that warranted something like this? And when we didn't have it, it caused significant issues. So that's clarity on the communication side. We really need to make sure that we understand, well, who do we need to ensure that we can that we can communicate with? How do we need to communicate? Again, this calling out things like the sponsors versus the supporters. Sponsors are going to be able to say your name at the at the table that they're at and bring up these things around resilience. Whereas supporters, they'll support you. They may throw up some funds, but are they really sponsoring you? Are they really providing that type of insight that they need? And by the way, Let's create just a mini racy, responsible, accountable, consultative, and informed. Let's understand where everyone needs to be so that we can communicate with that audience the way that we need to communicate with them. So we've got clarity, we've got communication, and the last C is cost. And so with cost, when we're developing the program, we don't know what we don't know, mm. but what we do know, we do know some stuff and we know that we'll probably need to have some type of recovery area, whether we can leverage maybe a, another part of the campus to recover certain things, or maybe we want to have a different site altogether that we need to recover from. We're going to need to document this stuff somewhere and be able to provide some reporting. So should we take a look at some software? Those types of things, just think through high level cost and be able to communicate up front 
here's a, here's some of the things that we need to to think through. We'll know more. The more you know, the more you grow, and we'll probably be able to come back with some more tangible pieces and some some tighter costs. But for right now, this is what we have. So remembering those three C's at the beginning and in preparation mode, that's going to be super helpful. Is it a three-legged stool where each leg carries equal weight, or is one of them more important than the other? Here's the thing. You can have something that's a low-cost solution, but it might not meet your need. And so I wouldn't put all of my weight on on that particular one because you might end up toppling over. Hmm. Communication is is just, communication is the core. If you don't have communication, if you don't recognize the, the needed audiences, you're going to topple over right off the top anyway. So I would say, focus on that communication. Make sure that there's clarity though, because how can, what are you going to communicate? You might know the right people to communicate with, but if you don't have clarity as to what you're communicating, you're losing credibility, which is another C, uh, right off the top. (laughs) What other best practices or scenarios from your book could be beneficial for our listeners when they're just thinking about dealing with things in the field? You know, slow down to speed up. I I referenced that really quickly earlier on, but that's really important, not only for personal, but for, for corporate as well. There are times when we get so focused on wanting to do something that we just go right through. We don't take the time to really take a step back and understand, well, what's the impact of this going to be? Why do I need to have these team members engaged? Have I really gotten all of the necessary information for that process or that initiative? So really slowing down in order to speed up is one big thing. I think also just making sure that we are celebrating the diversity within within the organization, meaning I may look at this laptop, a laptop in front of me, and I might think, oh, you know what? I wonder if I've backed up the information. Or maybe a security person may look at the laptop and say, do you have BitLocker on that? Are you, mm. Is this safe and secure? So really understanding that there are a variety of different ways to come together. And we all need to be able to come together to, to understand the vein that we're in, to share that information. Talk about, when I talk about diversity topics, about this really being a mosaic versus a melting pot. Melting pot, everyone comes together and it just sort of smushes, if that's the word. But a mosaic, you bring all of those individual gifts to this particular picture and it just creates this beautiful masterpiece. I can see everything individually, but we all appreciate those things. And so, yeah, those are a couple of things that I would, that I would think through when, when, giving a couple of couple of knowledge nuggets out there to the teams. Yeah, I love that idea that everyone brings different perspectives. Like you said, the security person sees the world through this lens, which is important, but it's not the whole picture. Another person sees it through this lens, which again is important, but not the whole picture. But when you stand back and look, look at the mosaic, it's like, wow, what a beautiful thing we've created. Exactly. Mm, fantastic. Well, as someone who's been in the industry for quite some time, as you mentioned earlier, (laughs) can you share any lessons that you've learned just in the past year or so as we've gone through the pandemic that have changed how you think about or approach business continuity and resiliency? Yes, actually, you know, from a pandemic, from a COVID perspective, one of the things that I realized is that as business continuity professionals, initially during COVID, there were some continuity professionals that were getting laid off and that were involved in reductions in force. And initially I thought, why is that? This is the time, this is not a drill, let's go. 
But, you know, I wonder if there was an, an opportunity for us to underscore that the things that we have in place, just because COVID was identified as unprecedented, doesn't mean that the things that we have in place can't be used. Mm. They can be used as a, as a stepping stool to be able to drive to the additional items that we may need given the scale of COVID. And so as a lesson learned, one of the things that I really seen is there's an opportunity to continue to underscore the value add of business continuity, of resilience tactics, of crisis management efforts. And this is not just something that has worked for things in the past. This is something that can, that can scale. Mm. I would encourage us to, as business continuity professionals, sometimes we'll walk into the room and we have all of this knowledge and we'll just want to blurt it out. But if it's a new thing, people may say, well, no, 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 we don't. We don't need that. We need something new, something fresh. Mm. And so I would challenge us to make sure that we're continuously growing and learning, learning how to communicate the knowledge that we have in a way that would be applicable for the area. And by the way, sometimes we look at immediate fires or something like that. They may happen in the building and we say, well, you know what? If there's a fire in the building, let's go ahead and just work from home. Send everyone to work from home. They'll be back in a few days if it's just a little fire in the closet or something of that nature. Well, we've been home for two years. Mm. And so what does that mean? That, that initial strategy of working from home is not only for those immediate things that could take just a couple of days. We've got to be able to stretch that out and say, okay, what if we truly are from a worst case scenario here for a while, longer than 30 days, longer than 60 days, do we have what we need for our employees at home? Are there certain things that we have to do in terms of additional cross-training? Does everyone really have all that they need to, to sustain the work that they do over a significant period of time? And so it's really taking a look at those plans and making sure that, yes, we develop those initial plans on what we would need to do for 5, 10, 15-day increments, but we also need to make sure that we take a look at the threats and the risks that we have and what are those things that could stretch out for longer than 30 days, longer than a year, what would we need to do to do then? And while, while we couldn't predict this type of, this type of pandemic, there are other pandemics that we've been through that we could use as stepping stones, jumping off points, you know, the swine flu, things of that nature. We could use some of the lessons learned there as jumping off points. We don't always have to start all over again. So those are some of the things that, that come to mind and just making sure that from a virtual employee perspective, what does that really mean for your organization? Have we really sat down and looked at the potential policy implications that this has? You know, do we have the right policies on remote workers and things of that nature? So there's just a ton of things that this past year has, has taught us so that we can be ready for the next go round and Resiliency is really about making sure that we're able to go forward. We're able to not just, they talk about resiliency as bouncing back. I don't want to bounce back. I don't want to bounce back to where we were before. I want to bounce forward. I want to make sure that I have had those things in place that I can use as stepping stones to just propel over the next situation if I can. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. it. It seems like people should spend their time strengthening their scaffolding or their framework and there not completed buildings that they bring to this solution because you can 
quickly expand that scaffolding in this direction or that direction. And you're not locked into something that you thought would happen, but it never happens like you think. Exactly. You're onto something, Peter. You need to get a book in there. <laughs> hey, I'm just listening to you. That's all. <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, we really like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide the listeners with an actionable tip that they can take back to their organizations to make some kind of immediate impact. So with that in mind, you've already given us a lot of great info, but is there one more piece of advice that you can think of to help them achieve business resiliency, something you're passionate about? Speak up. And the reason that I say that is because at times you get into the room and you really want to listen and you want to have these ideas marinate so that you can come off with something that is just profound. But by the time you go all through all that processing, someone else has said exactly what you want to say. And that's just annoying. So speak up. You are there at the table because you are supposed to be there. And so when you have these ideas, if there's anything that the past year has taught us, there is nothing off the table. And so just trust yourself that, yeah, you've thought through this. You've been in this, this thing for a while. Bring those ideas to, to bear. Make sure that you have the justification, but bring those ideas to bear. Speak up. So that's more of a general tip than a specific resiliency tip, but that can help you in resiliency rooms as well. Oh, without a doubt. I love looking at it through that lens. That's great. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate your time, expertise, and your advice. Well, thank you. If anyone listening out there has follow-up questions or wants to connect with you or perhaps purchase a copy of your book, where can they find you? Well, I am on Amazon in terms of book, <laughs> but most definitely, please feel free to reach out via Twitter at M-I-C-H-E-L-E-L Turner. Or if you would like to sign on via LinkedIn, I'm Michelle L. Turner, Michelle with one L. But yes, please feel free to reach out. I'm, I'm more than happy to engage. And yeah, looking forward to hearing from you. Excellent. Well, thanks again for taking time to join us on the Employee Safety Podcast. And for the rest of you out there, remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency. So communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time. Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.